0: these are strange days can you believe that we would ever have to walk in and wear one of these into worship i I never saw this day but our participatory portion of the service is over so if you want to you are now welcome to remove that mask and uh yeah it feels better a little sweaty (laughs) um amen feels right if, uh, if you need to cough or sneeze, please put this back on, or a hearty amen, you know, just filter it just a, a, a little bit there. Um, these are different days, but, you know, the, the thing that's not different is God. He's still the same God, He's still the same faithful, loving maker and sustainer and Savior, and we have hope because of Him. And I want to thank all of you who have continued to pray and ask God to move. For those of you who have been giving financially, for those who have been seeking to serve in whatever ways you can, thank you. I want to pray and ask God's blessing on our offering and ask God's blessing on our church. So let's pray. Father, we do. We, we honor you. We, we thank you for being so good to us. And it's out of your love for us that we love others. It's out of your goodness in us that we show goodness to others. And we acknowledge that. And we ask your blessing as we give financially, as we give our lives and our time, as we give our prayers to you, God. We ask that you would bless them. We ask that you would enable us to trust you more and more. And, and God, bless living hope. Bless the influence that we have on our city. And, and use these resources to expand to the ends of the earth. We thank you for the privilege to be a part of it. Now, God, we ask that you would bless as we focus in on your word and as we think even right now in this moment about what's happening and what we believe and what we're to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as we gather to worship this morning, we find ourselves in a state of grief. Over the past month, while in the midst of this pandemic Several incidents have occurred in our state and our country that point to our society's continued struggle with issues of racial equality and reconciliation. We grieve the unjust loss of life and are concerned with the unrest that is tearing at our social fabric. All of this calls for a response from God's people. You know, as the people of God, we lament like the prophets and the psalmist. And we say, how long, O Lord? And we are compelled to look back and find solace in our shared faith and do what they did when they were faced with challenges. What we are to do now, we are to hearken back. We are to look at the Word of God and recall what we believe and remember and really recommit ourselves to what it is God has called us to do we believe the Bible is God's revealed truth and it teaches all people have equal dignity and value because we are all made in the image of God the Bible teaches racism which is treating speaking or thinking poorly of others who have a different color or culture is a sin it is evil it dishonors God by devaluing people made in the image of God The sin of racism can only be dealt with by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel alone can change a human heart. It makes us right with God, who then gives us the power and responsibility to be reconciled to each other. We believe the Bible is God's revealed truth. And so we commit to resist racism by correcting attitudes, behaviors, structures, and systems that cause and encourage racism in any form. We commit to pray for justice and equality for all people and for racism to no longer exist in our society. We commit to spread the gospel of Jesus that makes reconciliation a reality. Let's take just a moment and let's remember these beliefs. And let's commit to do what it is God has called us to do. I want to ask you to read this prayerfully. I'm going to read it. You read it prayerfully. We believe the Bible is God's revealed truth and it teaches all people have equal dignity and value because we are all made in the image of God. The Bible teaches racism, which is treating, speaking, or thinking poorly of others who are a different color or culture is sin. It's a sin. It is evil. It dishonors God by devaluing people made in the image of God. The Bible teaches the sin of racism can only be dealt with by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel alone can change a human heart and make us right with God, who then gives us the power and responsibility to be reconciled to each other. We believe the Bible is God's revealed truth, and we commit to resist racism by correcting attitudes, behaviors, structures, and systems that cause and encourage racism in any form. We commit to pray for justice and equality for all people, for racism to no longer exist in our society. We commit to spread the gospel of Jesus that makes reconciliation a reality. If you would, bow your head right there and ask God to show you how how he's doing this, how this is what he's called us to, to believe in what he's called us to do. Confess maybe where you've fallen short, And right now in this quiet moment, recommit to believe and to do what the Bible teaches. Now let's pray together. Father, we we ask that you would revive your church, that our hearts would be renewed by the power of your word, that we would have a passion for your glory that you would remove the apathy from our hearts and give us a a passion for you, O God, and then bring a great awakening through your church as the gospel is proclaimed, as love is shared. Bring an awakening in our city, our nation, our world. God, we pray for reconciliation in our nation and peace in our streets. God, we pray for healing for those who are sick with COVID-19, and we pray for protection for those who are not sick. And God, we we pray that you would now bless the preaching of your word as we now begin this new series, as we talk about seeing the need for love. Lord, like never before, we need to see this need, and we need to act on it. So please now, bless us as we dig into your word together. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. So we are, we're beginning the series this morning, uh, See the Need for Love, and it's within the scope of... Our entire focus here in 2020, we've been talking about having a 2020 vision, seeing what God can do. Here's what we know as those who've been redeemed by the grace of God, is that God can take someone who is dead and give them new life. God who can take someone who is stained with sin and make them holy and righteous. And this happens by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we we desire to see other people's lives changed by this. We know that God can do it. And so we seek to impact our homes and our neighbors and every generation with the hope of Jesus because we know this hope is real. And when we see God move, we get to see the other things that are necessary for us to step in and for us to participate in. And we need to see the need for love. Love is powerful. Love makes life worth living. Love is what life is all about. Friends, You may have the finest things that this world can offer, but if you do not have love, you have nothing. And remember, love is a choice. It's more than a feeling. Love is a choice. It's something we choose to do. That's why God commands it. God has commanded that we love, and that command is something that we can choose to do it is something we are responsible to choose to do love yes it is a feeling but it is a choice but sometimes it feels risky sometimes it can feel scary sometimes we're, 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 we're at least i know i am I, I i tend to sometimes maybe pull back because of the pain i've experienced in the past or the pain i've seen c.s lewis he speaks to this fear in his book the four loves he wrote to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. To be in God's presence is to be in heaven. To be in God's presence is to be surrounded with love. The only place you can completely escape from love is in hell. To live without love, to live without God and Christ, is to live a a life of death and emptiness. God made us to be filled with life. God made us to love. And it's our responsibility to make that choice. And that's what this series is all about. It's learning how to make that choice. Learning how to see the need for love. Learning how to experience the love that God has given to us in Christ Jesus. Now today, today we're going to look at God's providence and putting us right where he wants us in order for us to love the ones we are with. Make no mistake... Where you're sitting right now, it's not an accident. It's not a coincidence. I mean, where you are right now in this moment, it's taken millions of your choices to get you where you are sitting right now. Think about this for a moment. Think about all the millions of choices you've ever made in your lifetime. All of them have led you to be sitting right here where you are right now. Now, I want you to think about this. Think about all the billions of decisions that you didn't make that have led you to be sitting where you are right here, right now. Here's what we can know. Every decision we've ever made, every decision that has ever been made for us has been made under the sovereign care of our God. God has led us right where he wants us. And he's put us in a place where we can love the ones we're with. And what our text teaches us today is is how to love the ones we're with. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's now go to the prophet Jeremiah. It's in the Old Testament. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. We're going to be in verses 4 through 7. So let's all stand together in honor of God's word. And I'm going to read this section. Again, Jeremiah 29, beginning in verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives uh, for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. If you may be seated, may God now bless the preaching of his word. Friends, make no mistake, we are all on a journey. This world is not our home. We are just passing through. And it's so very important that we understand where we belong and that we keep our eye on the city that is to come. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 14 says this, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. By looking toward heaven, we can make the mistake that many on this planet are currently making in seeking to find their hope in something that will not last. By keeping our eyes on heaven, we're mindful that, that life is better breath. And it teaches us to number our days, to know that, that very soon, sooner than we think, we will be standing before God, giving an account for our life. So looking toward that reward, that reward in heaven, it really releases us to be generous with what God has given to us. Remembering that God has placed us right where he wants us for his purpose. And again, you know, you know what's so easy to do? It's so easy to think, you know what? I would, I would be better off in a different marriage. I'd be better off in a different family. I'd be better off at a different school, with different friends, at, at a different job. I'd be better off in a different city. I might be better off in a different country. Don't think for a moment some of you hadn't been thinking that a little bit. Here's what you got to understand. You know, we've always heard the grass is greener on the other side. Let me, let me make, let's, let's get, this, get this clear in our heads. The grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where it is cultivated. When we cultivate our lives with the love of God, there's fruit. We bear much fruit. The the fruit of faith that comes by abiding in Jesus Christ produces a life of love, a life worth living, a life with great meaning, but we must cultivate it. We must live it. We must choose it. Remembering God has us right where he wants us. And he wants us to love the ones we're with. And our text gives us four things to do. So take note of these. Here's the first one. Love the ones you're with by being a Christ-honoring ambassador. A Christ-honoring ambassador. An ambassador is someone who is sent by a king or a leader. And it's very important to catch in verse four what God is making very clear to these exiles. He's making it very clear that they were not there by coincidence. They were not even there by human will, by the the power of, of human beings with authority. No, what does God say? I have sent you into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. What's God saying there? I'm in charge. You're not where you are by coincidence. You are not where you are by human choice. You are where you are because of God's will. And you and I, every one of us right now, we are where we are because of God's will. Because of the millions of decisions we've made, because of the billions of decisions that have been made for us, but because of the sovereign and all of that, the sovereign will of God. And it's so important that we see ourselves in a very specific way so we can fulfill a very specific purpose as ambassadors for Christ. See, Christians are to see themselves as God's ambassadors making peace. This is James chapter 3, verse 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Friends, we are to be peacemakers. We are not to stir up division. We are to point to the righteousness of Christ having been made righteous by Jesus Christ who took our sin and exchange, gave us his righteousness. And in that righteousness, we are to produce peace and we are to be peacemakers. And we have to see ourselves that way. Yes, as Christians, we are to see ourselves as God's ambassadors explaining God's peace. This is 2 Corinthians 5, 20. This is for me one of the most important ways in which we as God's people have to think about ourselves. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We must represent Jesus to the world. We have to explain his peace to them. Jesus has not come to be a part of someone's life. Jesus has come to conquer a person's life and set it free so that we can be who God designed us to be. As God's ambassadors, we have to explain this. We have to explain what our king has come to do. We need to explain what it is our king has done, is doing, will do. What has he done? Our king was born of a virgin, as promised. He lived a holy life. As promised. He died an atoning death, the atoning death for sin, as promised. He was raised on the third day, as promised. Friends, we need to explain to people what our King has done to bring peace and what he is now doing. What God is now doing is he is expanding his kingdom of love into the world. He is bringing light into the darkness through us. We, as his ambassadors, are explaining the love of God by reminding people what what God has done and what he is doing. He's bringing love and light into the world. And one day he's going to judge us all. Friends, we must be responsible To explain to people what our king is going to do. Our king is going to come again in righteousness. And he is going to judge every single person who has ever lived. And it's not going to be like our justice that is tainted with sin. His justice is holy and right. And anyone who who is found responsible for their sin will pay an eternal penalty for their sin against our eternal God. Any who has been found in Christ because of his sacrifice, because he has taken our punishment, they will enter into a life with him forever. He will bring a new heaven and new earth and we will be with him forever. Friends, we must explain this. As Christ's ambassadors, we are to see ourselves as God's ambassadors, not only explaining God's peace, but finally taking God's peace to the world. John 20, 21, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. What God said to the Israelites is what Jesus is is heard from the Father and is what Jesus is now saying to us. God said to the exiles, I sent you there. God the Father sent the Son, and the Son is now sending us to go into the world and to share His peace. Peace be with you. God has given us His peace to be His ambassadors into the world. The ones we love, we love by being Christ-honoring ambassadors. Second, take note. Love the ones you're with by being a Christ-honoring contributor a contributor, someone who brings something of blessing. Look at verse five. He says to them, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Here's what God did not want his people to do. He did not want his people setting up life outside of the city of Babylon. There were some false prophets in in their day who were telling the exiles, hey, don't go into the city, Don't, don't put down any roots here because you're going home soon. He's going to call us back to Jerusalem. And what God said to Jeremiah was, tell them they're not coming home soon. Tell them they are going to be there. They need to get inside the city. Don't be of the city, but be in the city and shine for me while you're there. Bring a blessing. You are to be inside the city and you're not to live off of the Babylonian government. You are to provide for yourself. You are to take responsibility for yourself. And that is exactly what God expected of his people then. And that is exactly what God expects of his people today. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 beginning in verse 7. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. Because we were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day, that we may, might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have the right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now, such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Friends, Christians should be the hardest working people on the planet. Christians should be the most honorable and trustworthy and reliable people on the planet. Christians should be people who provide for their families and take that responsibility because it honors God and it blesses us. But friends, we're to think beyond ourselves. We're not simply to work so that we can gain. We are to gain also so that we can give. God expected the exiles in Babylon to provide for others, and that's what he expects of us today. Hebrews 13:16 Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. It pleases God when we're able to help others. You're only able to help others when you have worked and you've provided for yourself and you're willing to take responsibility for that and then to go beyond yourself and to join God in what he's doing in the world. It takes planning. It takes often sacrifice and faith. this is all a part of God's will, that that we take responsibility. And with the light, we're able to give. With the light, we're able to share. With the light, we're able to to be uh, the light and the love in God's hands in the world. And friends, this is what makes society work. People caring for their needs, taking responsibility for their families, and helping care for others who have needs. Christians should always be contributors to society. We should always be seen as those who are responsible, that provide, that are positive influence, and not a pestilence or some kind of parasite. Friends, if we're to love the ones we're with, we must take responsibility to be generous as contributors. Third, love the ones you're with by being a Christ-honoring family member. We look in verse 6. Take wives, have sons and daughters, have them get married, that they bear sons and daughters. Multiply, don't decrease. You know, one of the greatest gifts Christian gives is the benefit of healthy families. When families are healthy, societies are healthy. Show me a place where husbands do not love their wives and raise their children with love. And I'll show you a society that is struggling. Do you feel like our society is struggling? Can I tell you why? Because we don't have moms and dads who love each other... And take responsibility as family members to love their children. And their children are not loving their families. There's not these families of love that are staying together and taking responsibility for one another. And then serving other families. See, God's design for human thriving has not changed. Even though our culture has sought to change it. What our culture has done is condemned our society. It has cursed it. What has God said? What's God's design? What is best? What leads to human thriving? Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 says it plainly. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, female, and they shall become one flesh. It is in the union of one man and one woman for life in marriage that life is to be created. It is in the covenant bond of a man and a woman that not only is life to be created, it is to be cared for. And that life that has been cared for and cultivated in Christ is then to be given away or encouraged out so that that young man can find that young woman that he will love. And that, so that she can leave her father and mother and they can be united and this can be reproduced over and over and over in society. This is what brings to blessing. This is how God intends for this to work. And one of the best things we can do is be a loving family member in our family by strengthening our family and then to strengthen others, other families. One of the best blessings you can give in the world is to have a healthy marriage and healthy kids filled with love and healthy families that are connecting with other families. Right now, our our staff has been hard at work trying to figure out how can we get our families to be healthy and how can those healthy families connect to one another because here's what we know as healthy families we need we need healthy friends when we are families with real hope with real friends in the real world we're strong when we have as families real hope with real friends in the real world, there there is a great blessing that we bring not only to our lives, but to our city and to our world. And this happens in groups. And it's not groups. So many times I I say that word groups. You know what I think? Program. Okay, do we have the right program? Do we have the right materials? Do we have the right, do we get all the stuff right? Do we have all the right things? Is it the right place? Is it the right time? Friends, we got to get past that. The the days of thinking in terms of programs and geography are gone. And I pray that even after the days when we could go back to that, we don't. My prayer is that we will understand that there is a blessing that comes with having real hope with real friends in the real world. Because when, when you as a believer have real friends and you're a real friend to them, there's those moments when you need counsel, when you need encouragement, when you need compassion, when you need wisdom. I remember when I, when I was a teenager and my parents were divorced. I remember going to church and that was my solace. That was my place of strength. Because I had friends there who would tell me, we love you. We care about you. You're welcome here. You're welcome into our home. You're welcome at our table. And you know what that was for me? That was life. Can I tell you how many times I've seen people need, you know, it's like the young man who didn't make the ball team. You know, he goes home and his head's down and his mom and dad tell him it's okay. But you know what that kid thinks? You have to say that. It's criminal if you tell me I'm a loser. You can't, you have to say something nice to me. You know what that kid needs? He needs a friend. He needs a friend that says, you know what? You're still awesome. You're still my friend. We're still good. We're gonna go do something. You matter. How many times, I, you know, in our church we see this? All, you know, a little girl gets her heart broken by a, a mean, awful boy. She goes home, and her mom's saying all the nice things. But you know what the little girl's hearing? Nah, 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 nah. Because nah. mom has to say nice things. It's her job. You know what she needs to hear? She needs to hear a friend that says, "You're beautiful. You're awesome. We love you. You're still cool." We're not going to say he's a loser, but we could. You just need that friend. She needs that friend. Uh, you know, if, if you if you've, you know, think about a man it was after the service, somebody texted me. He's talking about when he lost his job. He'd never lost a job before. A few years ago, he lost his job, and he went to his son's ball game, and there was a, a man that's a friend of his, and he was down, and the man said, "What's wrong?" He said, "Man." I lost my job today. I've, I've never been fired in my whole life. And the guy said, welcome to the club. I've been fired three times. And he's like, what? Because you know, he looked at this guy, he's like, man, you, you're awesome. How, what, how do you do this? And he walked him through it. This happens. It doesn't define you. It's just something that happens. Now you gotta pray through it. You gotta figure out, where's God? You know, in, in our church, we've seen, we see ladies who have miscarriages. And that is so devastating. And there's the need for privacy because, you know, I see so many of our, our young women, what, even when they're pregnant, they don't want to put the word out too soon because they put out the word too soon and then something happens. Not every time they see someone, they, how's it going? Oh, we, 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 lost, we lost the baby. They have to relive that over and over again. So many times they wait, they don't announce it. And if there is a miscarriage, it's like this silent pain that they walk around with. But what a blessing it is when these when these women who've experienced that loss have a dear friend who comes alongside and says, I love you, I'm sorry. I'm praying for you. I know God is still good. And in that moment, there's comfort, there's love, there's strength. And this has happened in our church. I had to say it many times. And it's probably the worst of all pain. Is when a, when a couple loses a child, a child dies. And at the same time, it's so amazing to see the church rally around that couple. To see them care for their children and care for them and walk with them and pray with them and encourage them. You know where that happens? It's when you have real hope with real friends in the real world. It doesn't happen just because you signed up for the program. It doesn't happen just because you, you show up on Sunday and because you're involved in activities. It happens because you have real relationships that have had real experiences that are based on the real truth of God's word and there has been an exchange and a trust in life and God is working in, the, in our midst. Real hope, real friends, real world. That is the need of the day. Can you imagine a church filled with families like that? With each family member looking to love the ones they're with and to strengthen that family, connect those family bonds with other family bonds. What does that look like, friends? We don't have a clue. But I can tell you it ain't gonna happen in this building for a while. It's gonna have to happen in front yards. It's gonna have to happen at the park. We can't program it as a staff and that's what we're telling each other and that's what I'm telling you. Each of us is gonna have to take the initiative. We're going to have to be a healthy family, and then we're going to have to take the initiative to get our kids together. Now, we're going to try to do some things, but I can tell you this. We're not going to have 200 kids show up in a room sharing pizza and hugging and crying and laughing all each other and spitting all over. We're not going to do that. What we're going to do is we're going to create ways where there can be social responsibility and distancing, but where friendships can build. Parents, you got to do that. Senior adults, you got to do that. Young people, you got to do that. We got to build that real hope with real friends in the real world. Last thing, love the ones you're with by being a Christ-honoring neighbor. (sighs) Make sure verse 7 is highlighted and circled and underlined in your Bible. Make sure that's one of those that you have and that you know and that you look to regularly. It is for me. It has been for me for, for many, many years. Jeremiah 27, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile again. God put us here and pray to the Lord on its behalf or in its welfare, you will find your welfare. The welfare of a nation is found in its neighbors, caring for other neighbors. Where there is a neighborhood of friends looking after and caring for one another, there is health. There is the possibility for thriving. Where there is a neighborhood of people attacking each other and hurting each other, there is societal sickness and the probability of strife and destruction. I think we're seeing that on our TV screens, aren't we? And friends, be careful. Don't make the mistake I often make. I, 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 I keep up with the news uh, a little bit. And here's what my temptation is, is to look at what's happening in the broad sense of the world, and that's what mainstream media and social media often, often does, is like, look what's happening in this big world. And here's what I know. I can't do anything about all that except complain about the way that the people who are responsible to do something about it are doing it. And that's so helpful, isn't it? Haven't you found it so helpful to be crit- critical of politicians? Hasn't that made your life better? Hasn't that made everything better to, to just, just to vomit your disdain in, in, in whatever ways that you can? Isn't that good? Can y'all say no, just for me? No, thank you. What, what, what's the best thing to do? You know what the best hard thing to do is? Stop looking at what you can't be responsible for and get your eyes dead set on what you are responsible for. You know what you and I are responsible for? Our homes, our neighbors, and every generation in our city. Let's start with you, where you live Do you know the names of all your neighbors? Can you name one way that they need to be prayed for right now? Do you know who is and is not a follower of Jesus Christ? How do they need you to be praying for them? How do they need you to come and help them? If you don't know, you need to find out. If you do know, you need to pray and act. I want you to take just a moment. Bow your heads right there where you are. I want you to think about your neighbors. And it may not be where your home is. It may very well be your workplace. Maybe a friend from school. Think about those neighbors. Pray for them by name. Ask for God's blessing. Pray for a need in their life. If they're not saved, pray that they will be saved and that God would use you ...to make a disciple of them. Father God, you called and told the exiles... ...that you sent them there to make a difference where they were. And Lord, you've placed us where you want us. And you want us... ...to to be Christ-honoring neighbors to bless those around us, to be a blessing. So Lord, show us how. Give us a heart to Use us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me tell you about something we're doing on Thursday, and we do not want to announce this out loud, big in terms of newspaper, TV, radio, that sort of thing. We're just not going to do it. This is for our church family, On Thursday and going forward regularly, probably weekly, we're gonna begin to prayer walk our entire city. So this Thursday at 1130, whoever can, we want you to meet at um, Circus Square, right there in front of the Performing Arts Center. And we're not gonna make a big deal about this. Wear your mask, I don't want Andy calling. (laughs) Put on your mask and we're gonna pray. We're going to give you something specific to pray. If someone says, what in the world are you doing? We're praying. How can I pray for you? What's your name? We're just going to pray. And we're going to begin to pray and pray and pray. And here's what we're praying. Revival and awakening. Pray that the church will be revived and that our city and nation will be awakened with new believers in Jesus Christ, with renewed believers in Jesus Christ. That is our prayer. If you would, let me, let me pray for you now and maybe invite you to say a prayer. If you would, bow your heads there. If you've never in your life repented of your sin and believed in Christ, that is admitted to God that you've sinned and asked him to forgive you because Jesus died on the cross to pay for that sin, ask him to forgive you right now. Ask him to fill you with his love and life and commit yourself to him. And when you get a chance, just text 84576 WELCOME TO HOPE so I can contact you. Your next step is baptism. Go ahead right now and commit yourself to be baptized. If you are a disciple of Jesus, and if you're harboring any racism in your heart, if you've grown apathetic to the needs of your neighbors or to your your family, repent right now. Ask God to renew your heart and your faith that you might be an ambassador of love. And Father, we do. We ask that you would revive us. And we ask that you would bring an awakening to our city, to our nation, to our world. We ask you to do this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. As you know, I always like to bless you, but right now you're not blessable. To be blessable, so you have to put on this mask. And after you get on your mask, and I dismiss you after the blessing, you cannot run for the doors or we will tase you. <laughs> we didn't have them ready earlier, but we are now prepared. So I'm going to bless you with your mask on, and then the ushers are going to come and release you one at a time. I'm going to bless you with my mask on so that I can be a blessee. The Lord bless you and keep you, The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. You are dismissed.